are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Genesis 35. Have you found it? All right. But that's in the Old Testament. All right, now, are you ready? And uh, God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there. Make there an altar unto God, that appearance to thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, uh, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I'll make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the day which I, way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods that were in their hands, and all the earrings that were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem, and they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar, and called the name of the place Baal Bethel, because their God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. The word El Bethel means the God of Bethel. The word Bethel means the house of God. Beth, Hebrew for house, El for God. Bethel, house of God. El Bethel, the God of the house of God, because God met him there. Now the Lord said, uh, God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make there an altar unto the God that appeared to thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. God said, Come on back to Bethel. Uh, Jacob, I want to bless you again. Come back to Bethel. Uh, you remember the story of Jacob? There were two brothers, Jacob and Esau, and God had chosen the younger. And the younger knew it. And Jacob said, I want that birthright. Oh, he said, I want to be the ancestor of the Messiah. I want to head the chosen nation, Israel. But Esau said, I don't care about that. If I can get out of here and shoot me some deer. And my old pappy, he likes the, the venison I bring him. And a lot of pretty girls around here. And I don't care. And so Jacob came in one day all hungry. He said, hey, see you. You cooked up a wonderful lot of uh, chili here. Or stew with tomatoes in it because it was red and it's and so he said, uh, give me some of this. I'm sure hungry. But Jacob said, I'll trade it to you for your birthright. Well, he said, okay, who cares about a birthright? I'm about to starve anyhow. And so he traded him the birthright. And then a little bit later, while Jacob, uh, he was afraid. You know, we're all so often afraid God let something slip. And God's train won't get in on time, Brother Tom. So we have to fix things up for God sometimes, we think. And so Jacob, he, he and his mother got together to deceive their, his old father. And he pretended to be Esau to get the blessing. And God gave Esau, uh, gave uh, Jacob a blessing through his father Isaac. He could have gotten the right blessing without lying and cheating. God had planned for him. But now Esau said, I'm going to kill him, the dirty cheat. His name's Jacob, which means schemer, and that's what he is. He's a trickster, a horse trader, a schemer, and I'll kill him as soon as dad dies. And so his mother said, Jacob, you better run over yonder and stay with my brother Laban. And so Jacob went away from home, and Jacob has a sensitive conscience. Uh, Jacob was pretty mean, but he had something in him that was seeking after God and sensitive to God. And, um, and uh, so uh, uh, he said, I wonder if God's quit me. 
because I lied and cheated, and now I'm running away from home. I'm afraid I won't ever see my mother again. She protected me, and it didn't, I think. And um, he said, now, I wonder if God's going to keep that promise about a wonderful country here, and feed like the sands of the seashore, and like the stars of heaven. I wonder, no money, couldn't go to a hotel, couldn't go to an inn. And so he camped out, had no pillar but a Rockford pillar, and went to sleep. And that night, the angels of God came around him, and there were some visions. And lo, a great light and a ladder from earth to heaven. He didn't know it, maybe, but God has a ladder from earth to heaven. Jesus Christ is that ladder. God had to come down and be born of a virgin to save men. God had to come down, down the cross so men could spit in the face of God and hate God and curse God. And so uh, the dear Lord Jesus had to come. And Jacob saw it. Maybe he knew what it meant. And God, under the angel of God ascending and descending. Did you notice they ascended, Brother Tom? They live down here on earth, the angels do. Their main business is down here. They go to heaven to report, but to come back down here, their main business looking after the saints of God. And... Uh, and Jacob woke up and he said, I didn't know God's in this place, but he is. God said, Jacob, I'm going to be with you. I'll give you this land, all this land of Canaan for possession. And I'll make your children as the sand to the seaside, and then be all the nations here for the glad. And Jacob got up and said, God was in this place and I didn't know it. And so he said, I'm going to make a vow. First, God, you be with me. Give me food to eat and clothes to put on and bring me again to my father's house. I'm awful lonely. I'm out here in the country by myself. I sure would love to see my old dad. If you bring me again to my father's house in peace and be with me, then he said that God will be my God. And this place will be to me the house of God. I'm going to put up a stone here. I'll put oil on the head of it. That's to me the house of God. And then he said, I'll surely give a tithe, one-tenth of all that God gave me. And so he went away. And uh, now the years go by. Oh, 35 years or more go by. And he works seven years for one girl, gets her. Then he works seven years for the other girl. And, he, and then uh, he raises a wonderful crop of boys, 12 boys, and one girl, as far as we know. And, um, and, and it's a long, hard work, and works at night, and winter's cold, and summer's heat, and labor's cheap, and God takes up for him and helps him. And then he goes back to meet Esau, and Esau forgives him. And now then, they settle down, but they've had trouble. And God says, Jacob, don't you want to come on back again to Bethel, the place of blessing? And so he came back. God said, come back. You know, Jacob had his Bethel. I'm glad he did. I, um, I've been working for some time on a book of saints, Bible saints at crisis. Our great men of the Bible were revealed by some great time of crisis. Elijah on Mount Carmel. And, uh, and uh, David there with Bathsheba. And Paul, in his dying message to, to uh, uh, Timothy, in Second Timothy, I'm now ready to be offered. John the Baptist at his birth. And the words of the angel. And now here... Uh, here's uh, Jacob, and God said, come on back to Bethel. He had his Bethel, lonely time, but he met God, and God was there. And now uh, God said, Jacob, you don't have to have just one time of blessing. Oh, somebody said, I got converted way back under, and that was the happiest day of my life. And I'm sorry for you. <laughs> I'm sorry for you. I've had lots of days happier than the day of my conversion. 
somebody said today, we were having testimony meeting, and somebody said today, well, I can't put my finger on the time I was saved, but I was, and I thought in my heart, well, hallelujah, I'm saved today. That's happier than I got saved one time. I'm saved now. <laughs> I've got a heavenly Father. i got my name written down in heaven. Brother, I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I've already received the atonement. Brother, I'm going to heaven. I'm saved today. That more, that's funnier and happier than the fact I got saved one time. I'm saved now. And, uh, and so um, uh, the Lord said, Jacob, you don't have to go on what I gave you 35 years ago. Come on back. <laughs> the angels still around you, Jacob. You don't see them. Don't you want to come on back and see them again? God said, I still got the ladder from earth to heaven. It's invisible. You don't see it, but it's there. You sat back down and said, God's in this place. I didn't know it. God said, I'm still here. I'm still all around. Don't you want to come back and make it real again? Want to come back and get on the mountaintop again? Want to come back and get all your sins forgiven again? Want to come back and renew your vows again? You want to come back and have all your backslidings forgiven and get cleaned up again? All right, come on back, Jacob. Back to Bethel. Back to Bethel. I've had my Bethels too. I remember the time when I was converted. Nine-year-old boy, no mother. I remember how I walked down the aisle of the preacher priest on the prodigal son. I didn't know much, but I knew that prodigal son got home. And the good old preacher told how when he was a boy, he ran away from home. Got a job as a printer, devil. And I spilled all a great pot of type. You can set type by hand, not these line of type machines. And boy, it'd take you two or three days to pick up a pot of type and sort them back all the H's together and the T's together and the X's together. And they can separate the capitals from lowercase. And so he got fired and got no pay. Went home hungry. His father received him and fed him and blessed him and kissed him. And that good old preacher said, and that's when God knew anybody came. So I stood off my pew back yonder and came down here and trusted Christ. I remember later the time when I first got full assurance. I found in the Bible. Uh, nobody told me. I don't know why. Nobody told me. I found in the Bible. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Well, I said, bless God. That's what I did, and then I got it. I've got everlasting life. And the time John 3, 36, when it dawned on me, I have never, as far as I know, I've never had a second doubt. I'm born of God. I have everlasting life. God says it in the Bible. That's where to get your assurance of salvation in the Bible. And then it doesn't change. Well, um, uh, I've had my high time too. I remember the time when um, I went off to college. I had uh, hard times, depression times, out in the cattle country in West Texas. I had a place where I used to go to pray. Out of the wood pile, through the pea patch, and through the fence, down in the brakes, as we call them, over there. Uh, you have, in this country, you have a ravine, you got all kinds of grass and so on. So don't West Texas, you got a, uh, breaks away and it's bare ground. And there's a chaparral bush. Under that, the ground packed hard where I knelt many times to pray. And I knelt down there and said, Lord, I don't go to college. I just have nine dollars and thirty-five cents. But, uh, Lord, if you want me, you can have me. I said, Lord, I'll be a gospel singer, or I'll be a foreign missionary, or I'll be a preacher, whatever you want. I'll give a tithe, now you take me. I'm going to college. I couldn't sell my horse, so I saddled up with sorrow, cow pony, and rode off to college. January 13th, and rain falling and nearly freezing as fell, and I started out to ride 146 miles to college. I wish I could tell you the whole wonderful story, but I'll tell you that day on my knees under that chaparral bush, 
the Lord and I had a battle time. And God told me. I didn't know then I was going to preach, but I knew whatever God said, I was going to do it. I said so. I meant it. Before I got, when I got 25 miles, I uh, found a man lend me money from a first uh, tuition and uh, so on. Oh, how God, I remember God got a suit of clothes and didn't have any. I remember how they got finally to milk in the college cows. You didn't know cows in the college, did you? But, um, and then how I got to tutoring some boys in arithmetic. And then how I made my way. And through the long years and how God took care. I remember when I proposed to Mrs. Rice, I told her, well, we may have to go to college. I know I can make a living going to college. And I don't know whether I can any other way or not. But if need be, we'll go to school. I work and make a living. I know I can do that because I've been trying. But um, I had my vessel too. I remember the time in the University of Chicago, I was a college teacher. I was doing graduate work then in the University of Chicago. I had a contract teaching a senior college the next year. And I went down to the Pacific Garden Mission, and there I put my arms around a poor, drunken bum and went into Christ. Boy, he smelled bad. Hair was long, face unshaven, body smelled of, of beer and, uh, and whiskey and dirt. And uh, I put my arm around him. I brought him down and said, come on down here to pray. He didn't kneel down. I thought he would. He went right down his face. And I said, come on, ask God to forgive you. He said, Lord, if you don't save me, I'm going to hell. I said, nobody else wants me. I said, my wife's quit me. I don't blame her. I'm not fit for a decent woman. He said, my children, they're all ashamed of me. They want me around the house. I don't blame them. Who wants an old dad picking up cigarette butts in the gutter, asking for a handout at back doors? And too sorry to work and drunk all the time and get anything to drink. He said, I don't blame him. The Lord can't get a job. Nobody wants an old bum like me. I can't work. I, I can't keep my mind about it. I uh, drink every chance I get. And he said, Lord, he said, nobody else wants to me. If you don't save me, I'm going to hell. This is the last stop, Lord, if you don't take me. And God did. And forgave him. Saved him. Next night I came back, he was banged up. Next day I had a haircut. Two days more, I had a job. Next thing you know, Brother Tom, he's bringing them in. His old cronies, the, the dirtiest bunch of bums you ever saw, night after night, they're getting saved. And that boy, he just had hallelujah all over it. And I said, look here, Lord, this bit is a college teacher. Well, college teaching not like this. <laughs> I said, boy, boy, if you let me go at this business, I'll do this all the time. Billy Carl, that's better than any other career. And so I gave up my my graduate work and gave up my college contract and I came back to Texas and and uh, started the seminary and started holding revivals and borrowed $100 and got married and so on. I'm just saying that I had my Bethel too. I had my Bethel too. I remember the time that God laid on my heart to leave my pastor at Shamrock, Texas and uh, I said I felt I must be an evangelist. Southern Baptists don't have any evangelists but God laid it on my heart I must be an evangelist. Well, people said, and you better wait. Look here, summer, uh, you better wait till next year because the wintertime don't have any meetings in this country. And I said, well, but God called me to be an evangelist. Well, the church said, don't you want to leave of absence? No, I said, I'm, I'm leaving for good. I said, Lord, I'll tell you what, you look after my business and I'll look after yours. I said, from this on, I'll have no regular salary. I don't mean a salary is wrong. A lot of better men than I am get a salary. God let me to trust him without it. I gave up my insurance. I don't say insurance is wrong. I just said to the Lord, and I had an agreement, and you be my insurance, Lord. And I gave up $10,000 government insurance. Brother Tom, I never did even 
I had hundreds of dollars put in, could have come back to him. I didn't even ask for it. Maybe said, I don't know, but I don't need the insurance. I got insurance. And uh, I said, I've been evangelist. I remember another time. And uh, one day, after I was in full-time revival work, at a big conference on evangelism in the big uh, Bethany Reformed Church in Chicago, and I had Dr. Ironside, Hyman Appleman, Dr. Oswald Smith, and others helping me in the great conference there. I remember I took out of my own pocket $365 to pay the deficit, but uh, I had a blessed time. I stayed in the Roseland YMCA, South Chicago, and one night I stayed on my face till 2 o'clock in the morning. And I said, Lord, we're going to bring back citywide mass evangelism. I don't care if it kills me, whatever it costs, at any cost, we're going to bring it back great mass evangelism again. And um, God's strength I began to move. And before long, I was in citywide campaigns in, well, Binghamton, way back yonder, then Buffalo, then Cleveland, San Pedro, Winston-Salem, and Durham, and uh, Greenville, South Carolina, in all of this country, and so on. I've had my, I've had my Bethel too. Well, God isn't done with Bethel. Come on back, John. There's Bethel still for you. God's still back there. Come on back to Bethel. All right. So the Lord said, uh, "Come on back to Bethel." I want you to consider uh, some reasons why now Jacob needed to come back to Bethel. For one thing, it's been thirty, some thirty-five long years. I wonder why. I wonder why. Brother Anderson, why do you suppose? I think Jacob meant that dial, but it's so busy. You've got a big family. And Laban's trying to scheme him out of everything for over 20 years. And you've got big lot, hundreds of sheep. You're going to use, lose some of these lambs if you don't sit up with them in the springtime. And so much. You've got 12 boys. Those big rambunctious boys. You're going to keep on your toes. You to make a living for them to keep them straight. And all that, 35 long, long years or so. I wonder why I didn't go back, Jacob. That's too long. That's too long. Let me tell you now. Somebody said, oh, I remember way back yonder I had the best time. That's too long. Come on, Pat, have some more. <laughs> That's too long. Too long. Don't wait again. Come on back. Give the blessing. Have the power. Have the tears. Have the joy. Have the holy vows again. Come on back. 35 years. That's strange. I uh, had nothing but one walking stick. <laughs> That's all I had before. Maybe a stale sandwich mama fixed for him. That's all. Now he's got flocks and herds and riches and twelve children and uh, and uh, four wives. That's a good many. And uh, all the servants. And, and now the Lord said, come on, Jacob. Come on back to Bethel. Thirty-five years. I wonder, some of you, let me tell you, hard work. Did you know... Brother Tom, you work so hard being a good preacher. It's not bad. You work so hard running a magazine for the Lord. That's not bad. You work so hard daily radio program. You can work so hard building a seminary. You can work so hard the day school. You work so hard for the Lord that life gets a little dull, tough. And God may seem a long way off. You know that. And I don't I'm not saying Jacob was wrong to work hard. I'm just saying the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world. Let me tell you, all you feel work hard at your job. The truth is, I have a good deal of respect for a fellow who got up and got some zip and go get it and sell and work and slave and stay awake at night. God bless you. So let me tell you, 
If you don't look out, you're going to get to be a hard-boiled, self-made kind of a fellow without God. No peace, no joy, no blessing. You need to come back to Bethel. Then never mind about all the money-making. Never mind about all the business. Never mind about all this go-get-em business. Come on back to Bethel, Jacob. Long years. But you needed that. Why did Jacob need to come back to Bethel? Another thing is, uh, Jacob had a big family. He had a big family. Well, that's, uh, there's uh, several reasons why you need to consider. One thing was that uh, he had a poor wayward daughter. And she was the only daughter. You don't know how my heart goes out to a man whose daughter goes wrong, breaks his heart. I have six lovely girls. But, um, but uh, he had a girl, pretty girl too. And they camped and was all busy and working hard, take care of the cattle and the sheep and the camels and the goats and the donkeys. <laughs> and uh, and uh, young prince of the land saw his daughter and fell in love. Got her out, neck and parting, led her into sin. Jacob heard about it. The boys heard about it too. Oh, Jacob felt bad about Dinah. Ruined girl. Jacob, you better come on back. You ought to have come back a long time ago. One reason some of your children, you're going to lose them for God. It's been too long since you've been to Bethel. Too long since the warm vows and the tears and the soul winning and family altar. Too long from the time that all the sweet communion fresh every day. You better come on back to Bethel, poor old Jacob. Dinah's a good evidence you need to come back. Not only Dinah, there, there are the boys, the Simeon and Levi. Ah, they said, well, that young prince, we'll fix him. So they went out there and they said, I'll tell you what, let's do, let's make a trade now. Tell you what, if you people, all of you, see all these flocks and herds we got, we'd settle down here. Well, the young chef said, if I could have this girl, I'd give anything you say. I want her, I love her, I want her for my wife. Well, he said, that's a good idea. That's all right. Tell you what, if all the men of your city, you be circumcised now to be like we Jews are, and then, uh, well, we'll intermarry and trade and settle down here all right. And then after second day, when all the men were sore and incapacitated, these two men took the sword and went in, and they took Dinah out of Shechem's house, and they set out and killed every man in the city, and took the women captive and all the property and plundered the houses. And Jacob said, well, there's people around here will hate me and destroy me. Had these murderous boys. Jacob, you better come on back to Bethel. Your boys need it. Your whole bunch need it. Let me tell you, some of you folks, your children need it too. And there was Reuben. Reuben was an older boy. And Reuben had uh, led one of Jacob's concubines into sin, went up to his father's bed. Well, let me tell you, it's pretty bad business to have as many camels as you have, Jacob, your boys going wrong. Pretty bad business having to spend a thousand sheep and goats and fine, perfect cattle. And you boys, you girls going to the devil. You need to go to Bethel. Then he's come on back to Bethel. Oh my, if anybody's got a family, you sure better hang around Bethel pretty close. You're going to need help. And so Jacob needs to come. That is all. Uh, Jacob, you better come. Your wives need it. Why? Because his wives are idolaters. You mean Jacob's wives? Yeah. When they left Laban... Why, Rebecca, a favorite wife, she got Laban's dogs, <laughs> idols, and she hid them in her in her goods. And Laban came up there frothing at the mouth and said, Well, you run off from all my, my daughters and my grandchildren and so on. Now, what about my dogs? 
Well, Jacob said, anybody that's got him around here, we'll kill him. Just say the word. Come on, look. Come on, look through everything. And uh, so Rebecca, she put him in camel's furniture and sat on him, and, and uh, so Jacob couldn't find him. Her father's God. And here, they said, the scripture says, going back to Bethel, so take all these gods and hide them under this oak. We don't want to take our gods, these idol gods up here. Idolatry. Yeah, Jacob, you've been away from Bethel too long. Your wives are an idolatry. You know that? And so you need to come back. And so Jacob comes back to Bethel. Jacob comes back to Bethel. And so we are. Well, let's see now. All right, we're going back to Bethel. So Jacob said, uh, uh, put away your idols. That's the first thing. You want to go back to Bethel? Let me tell Some of you people right now, if you come into Bethel, you're going to have to say goodbye, Bennis. Business is not everything. I don't have to make so much money. I remember at Siloam Springs, Arkansas, one night a man preached. And I stood down here and people came from time of rededication. Fine businessman, distinguished, well-dressed, iron gray hair. He came down here. He said, it's my business. Oh, he said, my business, nothing wrong with the business. It's a good business, honest business. Only he said, I just like it. He said, I've got plenty of money. I could quit work right now. I've got enough to live on, have everything I want. We're living in winters in Florida. I, I don't need to work. i got all the money I need. But he said, I just like to make it, he said. And he said, I told God today, he could have the business. And I'm going to miss on. I'm going to put soul winning first. I'm going to have God first. I'm going to seek first the kingdom. God can have my business. You're going to have to put away your idols. You come back to Bethel. Some of you preachers here, you know why you don't have any vessel anymore? You've got another God. <laughs> it's our great denomination. It's our cooperative program. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, of course, um, you don't much want anybody to say anything going against Jesus Christ. Oh, you wouldn't be very mad if they do, just as long as they're loyal Baptists. But they sure better not say anything against the program, have they? Now, boy, you'll be down on him then, won't you? Of course, um, you'd rather wouldn't stand against Jesus, but if he's a good Baptist, he can get by with it pretty well, Brother Tom. Yeah, good Baptist, and so on. Let me tell you, you're going to have to put away your gods, put away your idols, if you really have your Bethel. God said, I don't want you to have any idols in your pack. You come up here and meet here at this place of Bethel and come face to face with me. Put away your idols. Put away your idols. What is your idol? Are you pleasing people? Are you pleading your wife? I knew one preacher pleased his wife so he couldn't move out of a certain house. He'd promised her he wouldn't ever take away from that home. I've known a preacher that couldn't be an evangelist because his wife said, you want to stay here and take care of these boys. You brought them in the world now. And the other-in-law said, yeah, that's right. You married this girl now. Don't be gadding around over the country to stay here with and look after her. And so, okay, he pleases his wife, his mother-in-law, and lets Jesus Christ go to pot. And uh, he can't be an evangelist. Let me tell you, I'm just saying, put away your idols. If you want to come back to Bethel, put away your idols. Put away your idols. That is law. Uh, um, Jacob says, break off your earrings. Come on, take the earrings. Take off the jewelry. Now notice, God didn't require that. God said put away the idols. God didn't say take off the jewelry. But you know, Brother Tom, there's sometimes that even good things ought to be laid aside. Nothing wrong. There are times a man is good to have good food. Brother Paul Raker so nice, and Mrs. Raker so kind, was down here at his home, and he always wants me to stay in the home. I guess he thinks I'd eat the hotel, I'd eat, him, eat up so much money, I don't know. But they're kind, and good things. But they're times, and you better say no steak for me today, because I'm going to pray. It's not wrong to eat. 
Sometimes you better be praying. Sometimes you ought to say, I don't sleep tonight for a good while. I'm going to stay awake and talk to God. It isn't wrong to get your rest. Ordinarily, it's good sense to get your rest. But there's sometimes that to meet God and stay there, as I have sometimes, is a lot better. And in, in, um, over in um, our meeting in India, I just came last Monday night from India, and we had two or three uh, nights of prayer. One night stayed till 3.30 in the morning. I wasn't there all that time. Another night stayed till 1 o'clock in the morning, prayed. And i tell you the truth is, I, I in my room, walked the floor and waited on God many an hour. Oh, the blessings, the blessings. And uh, there's some things you better lay aside. Not there, not there first, not there wrong. But you just say, never mind. I don't want anything to be important besides Jesus and the power of God the souls. You know, the Lord says, Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Now, the sin, lay that aside too, but every weight. You run better without some things, even though they're good. You know that? You, know, you can run better without some things, even though they're pretty good. And if you're running a hot race for Jesus, okay, lay aside some of the good things too. And Jacob said, we're going up here to worship God. I don't you why I'd be thinking about who's got the prettiest bracelet now, who's got the, the prettiest rings and so on. I just came from India. <laughs> and in India, the women, oh, millions of them, they have a hole pierced in the nose. This side of them, all here. And they have ear bobs, and they have uh, uh, one here and one here. And I mean, they've got, they've got a hole pierced, and they've got it screwed in there. And one through here, this is pierced. And so they have, they'll have a ruby here, a ruby here, a ruby here, or so on. And sometimes it's a ring. I saw um, uh, some with a ring, that big around two inches. A gold ring, very pretty, hanging from one side of the nose. And one little girl, they had a school girl, and she had a beautiful ring, two inches with the right cross in her nose. But she hadn't got plumb used to it yet, and it kind of hurt hanging down. So she had a rubber band here inside of it and looped around her ear, here holding it, and it on the inside. <laughs> and, then, and so on. But now I lose a ring on my finger. And so they used to it. But Jacob said, now, all right, take the rings out of your nose and take the rings off your foot and off your, off your finger. Take off the bracelets. We're going to worship God. And he said, uh, Rachel, you look wrong. He's round, round here, Nelly. Who think of it? Holy on God. I may play a little, I may not. But from now on, I wouldn't give the snap of my finger for golf. I'm going to have God's power. I'm going to be a soul winner. Nothing else is going to matter. He said, I laid golf on the altar. Now, golf is wrong, but it's one of the weights that sometimes it might be laid aside. I knew one preacher that um, when he was in college, he was a halfback. He was a halfback on the conference winning team, football. When they made the last touchdown of the season and his team was champion of the conference, why, the boys put him on the shoulders and carried him off the field. And after that, that man, he was the craziest guy about football. Now, I know what you're talking about. I played college football. I loved it. I coached football. I loved it. I was always sharp to see the cold. But this preacher, he'd go to a football game, and he'd yell so he couldn't preach for a week. He's just hoarse. And finally one day he put football on the altar and said, Oh, cut, Lord. Well, it's all I don't need to go to football games. I, just, I better be excited about souls. Now, I'm not saying that rings and jewelry are wrong, but I just say, you better say, Lord Jesus, I don't care. The Lord said, you know about husband and wife? He said, defraud not one another. 
You belong to each other. It isn't wrong. Husband no power over his own body but the wife. The wife no power over her own body but the husband. But he said, um, he said, don't defraud one another. Accept it be with consent for a time when you set yourself aside for prayer and fasting. He said, I'm not commanding that, but I'm permitting that, Paul said. There ought to come a time when it doesn't matter whether you eat, whether you sleep. There ought to be a time when you say, whether I'm with my wife and children, whether I have the ordinary pleasures or not, never mind, I'm going to please God. Oh, God forgive all us preachers that have got to have good salaries and fine houses and new cars and paid vacations and so on. Oh, God, give some of us that are willing to be paupers or be poor or be nuts or go to jail. Never man! So I can have the power of God. That's what we better do. Jacob said, put away jewelry. And then God said, come on, be clean. Ah, oh, you never saw so much scrubbing neck and ears and taking baths around there. You know, somebody says, well, come to church, then dress up. I think that's all right. I think uh, whether you're dressed up much in church doesn't matter. But I think everybody ought to get a clean bath and use the best you got. Yeah. I don't care if it's a clean pair of overalls. I'm not worried about how fancy it is. But I just say you ought to think, well, I'm going to meet God, and I want to be clean and nice. And if a fellow dress up for his best girl, he ought to say, well, boy, I'm sure dressing up for God then. Yes, sir. Let's go to church. Put on clean garments, and they're going to meet God. Good God. All right. Back to Bethel. And Jacob said, I'm going. Oh, don't you need to come back to Bethel tonight? You had a good time? Remember when you saved? I'm going to think it right now about the time when you saved. Let's see your hand. You thinking about the time you saved? Wasn't that sweet? All right. Wait! I remember the time when I was a backslider. I was a boy in West Texas. Wild, rough country. Cursing, profane, drunken men. I had no mother. Wild companions. I got cold, backslidden. Not anything you suppose is very bad, but I lost my joy and I felt like I'd failed God. And they were having a revival in a little Presbyterian church in a plain, sharp preacher. And I went. And some young people getting saved and backsliders coming back. And they sang, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. And uh, I said, Lord, is everybody going to get a blessing but me? I said, Lord, don't leave me out. Don't pass me by. And the Lord kissed away all my backslidings and forgiveness. I walked that night out under the stars across the prairie home, and I thought, oh God, I'll never grieve you anymore. I guess God smiled. He knew me a good deal better than I did, but uh, I'm so glad he took me back. The plain truth is, I'll have to uh, make a confession. I've come back many a time as a backslider. Yes, sir. You know, uh, 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 let's see, uh, Mark Twain said, he said, quit tobacco. He said, that's easy. Anybody can quit tobacco. He said, I've quit a thousand times. <laughs> well, and so, well um, I've come back a thousand times as a backslider, I guess. And uh, come back to Bethel. Back to Bethel. Bill Barber, was ever a good time. He had a high vow. Oh, you long stopped and trusted God. Why shouldn't you be just as, why not just have as high an hour today as you ever had in your life? Uh, back yonder a few years ago, I, my book on prayer has been out now for a good many years. And if you read that book, you'll find I've had many wonderful answers to prayer. And so one day I came in and I thought about all those wonderful things in the past. And I said, Lord, uh, I wonder, Lord, does it seem like that, that's all in the past and like I don't trust you now like I used to? I was having great campaigns and putting them on the Lord's business. 
But I set aside two weeks uh, to come home, some writing I must do, edit this order, uh, two months, I mean. Two months! Now, I had no income but the free will offerings to God's people, then as now. And I had no money laid by, then as now. And so uh, I said, Lord, uh, does it seem like you're afraid I wouldn't trust you? All right, we'll see. So I had uh, told my wife, I said, how much money do you need for groceries this week? Just, just for now. And she told me, and I gave her a few dollars for that. And I found I had $200 left. And so um, I sent $100 to Northwestern Schools. I was on the board there. And then I had a colored boy brought from British Guinea, was in Moody Bible Institute. I sent Walt Hedford in to buy him a suit of clothes and some other things, $50. And there was a student in Wheaton College, and um, so he needed some clothes, and I felt accountable. So I got $50 for him. And that went all the money I'd got in my last campaign, except uh, I had a few, just a few coins in my pocket, like that. And so I shut the door of my study, and I walked back and forth. And I said, Lord, if you want to know whether I can trust you now, you just try me. Two months ahead, no income. Uh, I had no way to get income. I didn't have, don't have any salary from the source. I don't now. Not a penny. And, uh, and I said, I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm not afraid to risk you. And a strange thing happened. Uh, somebody, um, we don't have charge accounts in my house. And so somebody wrote in and said, Brother Ice, I feel specially led to send this $5 now for you and your family. Now, I don't want this for the work. You must, you must use this for yourself and your family. And somebody else said, Here's $10. And said, I feel especially led. Now, Brother Ice, this is for your family. And so come in. Hadn't been doing that way. Hadn't needed it. I've been in good revivals all the time. But now here it came. And week after week, week after week, nine weeks went by. And I had enough all the time. And then went out in the next meeting, and these gifts stopped coming in. Nobody knew. I didn't tell anybody I was going to be there at home and eat anything. Oh, my. And, you know, I walked the floor and praised God. And I said, bless God, the fountain hasn't gone dry. <laughs> the promise is all worth Yeah, you can still risk the Lord. Why don't you come on back and have Bethel again? Come on back to your Bethel. Come on back to your place of surrender and tears and confession. And blessing. And then he met the God of Bethel. That's good. And so he named the place. He said, I've been called it El Bethel, the house of God. Now he said, I'm going to call it El Bethel, the God of the house of God. Now that rock to pour some oil on. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> he said, I met God then. God said, Jacob, I'm still keeping the promises. And I got the guardian angels all around you, Jacob. I'm going to give you this, your children this land. All the promises true. And uh, so he called it the God uh, of the house of God, El Bethel. You want to come back tonight? How many here remember when you surrendered to preach? Let's see your hand. Remember when you surrendered to preach? All right. I wonder. I wonder how many here, when you launched out some undertaking and you bore your friend, pretty hard run, the real step of faith. Brother Malone, when you built that great building for the seminary, a step of faith. My heart went with you. You don't know how many times I've prayed about that building. And I'm just saying, you remember the time, did you? I wonder how many thinking about some great time of crisis you had to trust God to help you out. Remember when your baby's about to die? Remember Bill Barber and went off to school? Yeah. I'm going to think about some great time of testing and God was so near. Let's see your hand. Thinking about that? All right. Why don't you come on back to Bethel? God's still there. Now, God is a lonely God. In the strange, God has to invite Jacob back. Looks like Jacob be begging God to take him back. <laughs> no. 
God's second Jacob coming back. I wrote out this sermon three years ago. I was over at um, uh, Twin Cities below South Bend and uh, Bishop Walker and South Bend and uh, New Year's Day and I was lonely away from home. My folks back home was having New Year's celebration. I couldn't be there. That's often the way. And that's all right. That's all right. And I wrote out this sermon and I kept thinking maybe they'll call me. Maybe they'll call me some of the children. And the telephone rang in that motel room. Everybody else celebrating. That night the horns blew and all that, you know. And I was alone. I preached and went back to the motel room. And the telephone rang, and I thought, maybe that's one of the children. It wasn't. In this rain, the father runs after the children, not the children after the father. In this rain, God runs after you, Brother Tom, so you running after God. God's a lonely God. God's always wanting you. God's arms always open. The angels of God always looking at you. The eyes of the Lord always running to and fro. Look and see who he can help. Don't you see? Come back to Bethel. Tell you what, let's do. Let's all just be backsliders and confess it. Throw away your gods and uh, if need be, lay aside the earrings and jewelry and uh, or anything else in the way. And let's all come back to Bethel. Would you like to gather down here? We won't have room to kneel. Would you like to gather down here and just everybody stand around up close here and have a prayer of dedication? Say, I'm going back to Bethel. I'm going to renew my vows. I'm going to confess my failures. I'm going to ask God for the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to ask God to let me launch out again the deep seas of faith and blessing. I wonder, would, like, would you like to just come up here and say, I'm coming back like Jacob to Bethel. I don't say you God's quit you. I'm just saying God's inviting you. You can be a lot closer once you come on back to Bethel. You had a Bethel? Let's have it again. Uh, meet not only the house of God, but the God of the house of God. Want to do that? Bill Barber, would you like to say, Oh God, uh, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. If ever on the launch I trust you and try you and prove you and be tested, suffer for you. Preach for you, win souls, be a fool for you, Lord, it's now. I wonder how many say, I'd like to just do that. All right, you get up and walk on down here. Crowd in here, don't block the aisles. And have a prayer of dedication. And ask God to help us all come back to Bethel tonight. You want to do that? Amen. Come on, the time's short and about over, but come in here close for prayer. Dr. Malone, come up on the platform, will you, and pray for us. Oh, you know, I'm 65. Somebody said the other day, and I preached it, somebody said, Oh, I'm so glad. This first time I've seen a man past 60. Don't block the aisles, please. Come on, fill in. Don't block the aisles. The first time I've seen a man past 60 and still fights sin and still fights modernism. And I said, Oh, God, if I get to be 90, I'm going to come back and ask God to fill me with the Holy Ghost and let me be a fool and uh, make people mad and, and launch out in the deep. Don't, don't block the aisles. Come on, fill in. Please, come on. Come on up here. Come on here. Come on in here, that's right. That's right. Dr. Malone wants you to come pray for us. Pray for me. Brother Malone, wouldn't it be good if people could look back on this time and place? What is this? January the... Uh, hmm? January 30th, 1961. I laid my life on the altar and launched out in the deep for blessings I never had before. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good? Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. 
to listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.